Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissen. We are looking forward to taking your questions and your comments for the mental health field. The number to call in and to ask your question is 718-683-5858, And I first want to start with two beautiful mazel tovs to our very special Harav Nissen. One on the engagement of his daughter to a wonderful chassan. That was, I was nice to be at that simcha. And the second one, that that very same night, or when we spoke, or right before, there was a grandson born to him. And Baruch Hashem, Rav Nissen, what is the name of your grandchild? Aaron. Aaron Akoen. Aaron. Wow. Beautiful. Of simchas. May the Rabbi continue to share. Amen. For us all to share with Simchas together and continue you and your wife and your children and grandchildren right to Shem till Mashiach comes. All right, so the number to call in for those of you that would like to is ask your question is 718 683 5858. 718 683 I'd like to start with an interesting message that someone sent about three hours ago, but I think it is very nice. To mention, and the it's more of a, an appreciation, a thank you. Let's try to take this over here. First, thank you very much for the show. It's a huge schuss to make so many people feel that we are not alone. Now, listen to this question, and I want everyone to please get it clear when we discuss personality disorders when we discuss the codependent ones, the ones that think that they're helping, listen now to the rest of the message. Now, my spouse has panic attacks, bipolar, depression, and also more stuff. I stuck it out all the years, but now that my children are growing up and started realizing the fuller picture, they start blaming me, the healthy spouse. I feel that I'm being smacked from both sides. What can I do to make me feel better? I don't want to badmouth their parent to the kids. Will I ever get a good connection with my kids again? And I'd just like to recognize how serious or severe many times the person is in a tough situation. Baruch Hashem, there's a spouse that is strong, and even though they have a hard marriage, they're sticking it out for their children, let's say, or whatever it should be. And Baruch Hashem, they're doing it. And what they're hoping to get is, I'm suffering all these years, but at least when the kids get older, they will appreciate all the hard work that I put in. Unfortunately, or I should say fortunately, from the experience that we have, if you sit in a relationship that's painful, now I want to be clear, we're not telling you to leave the relationship, but let me be clear, if you stay in a relationship and you do not go for therapy, means you don't learn how to be assertive, how to be strong, how to be able to create a positive environment where you can protect your kids. After a while, when the kids get older, they will understand and say, oh, mommy or tati has an illness, but why didn't you protect us? Why didn't you do more? And this is something that happens all the time. It's not a one-time deal. But this message we got three hours ago, and I want to read it again because I want you to hear it clearly. For those of you that think that you stay in a marriage and you swallow for the kids to appreciate it, they won't. They will actually blame you more. Now, 
I am not saying leave. I'm not advocating for divorce. I am not saying that. I will say it five times. I am not saying get divorced. What I am saying is you need to learn how to protect your kids. You need to learn how to have happiness in your life. The amount of couples that they just sit there kvetching. You know how unhealthy that is? You know how unhealthy that is? You know how unhealthy that is? You know what they just did? No. That is the worst thing in the world to do. But you can find peace. You can find it. So I'd like to read this message again just to get the message in each of our minds that we think we swallow and it helps. It doesn't. So again, firstly, thank you. Actually, they wrote a little bit a second before that. Dear Mr. Weinberger, please take this question in the next text. I would love to know where I can take my issues from here. I feel very, very choking. So now the message comes. Firstly, thank you very, very much for this show. It's a huge source to make so many people feel we are not alone. Now, my spouse has panic attacks, bipolar, depression, and also more stuff. I stuck it out all the years. But now that my children are growing up and start realizing the fuller picture, they start blaming me, the healthy spouse. I feel that I'm being smacked from both sides. What can I do to make me feel better? I don't want to badmouth their parents. I will, will I ever get a good connection with my kids again? Harav Nissen, what do you say to this, first of all? Yeah, we have um, uh, <clears throat> Mr. E. Mr. E. Okay. Mr. E, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Um, yes, I had a question. What do you do when, how do you help people get over an anxiety? Wow. That is a very complicated question because you don't even know if someone really has anxiety. It could be something else. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It means we first have to know if it's really anxiety. Maybe they have a lot of pressure. Maybe they just lost. Maybe a friend isn't talking to them, so they feel alone. Maybe they didn't study well and they failed and they don't know how to deal with rejection. Who said it's really anxiety? So we first have to know, does the person really have anxiety before we start figuring out how to get out of it? One mm -hmm. of the little tools I will tell you about anxiety is there are several... Shiroshim causes that can cause anxiety. One of them are perfectionists. If someone has to do everything right, or if someone always thinks about the future and always thinking negative thoughts about, always seeing, seeing negative stuff like what will go wrong. So we start teaching them how to live in the present moment. We start teaching them how to be able to make mistakes. We start and to feel happy while you make mistakes. We start teaching them how to stop thinking positive again. But all that happens once we know what the diagnosis is, what is it really, and we also need to know a little bit about family background so we understand, is this a way of thinking? Is it something that just happened because of a certain circumstance? We need to do a lot more to have an idea what's really happening. All right? Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. And for those of you who like to know, the number to call in is 718-683-5858, And we are going to go to Ms. X. Ms. X, you're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hi. Thank you so much. I have two questions. Um, I'll start or first and then I'll go to next. So I have a sister-in-law, and I'm very, um, I like her. She's amazing. She's really sweet. But, um, and she gave me a wonderful niece, but I, there's like, I guess always from the start of their marriage, um, she seems to be, like, not, 
I wouldn't say incapable, but a little more suffragan and not necessarily like able to, I don't know, like maybe missing some things about high hygiene rules or like, um, like how to keep the house clean and organized and it doesn't stem so much with our family. So like sometimes it gets like a little bit um, uneasy or whatever and it's like not such an easy topic to talk about like to someone's face. And it's also like gets hard and uncomfortable around my brother because it's hard to see him dealing with it and trying to manage with it, but he's in yeshiva all day, and, like, he can't he can't keep the house clean, or he can't, or whatever. It's hard on him, and it's hard to, like, watch him, like, suffer in silence, and it's also hard as a sister mom to be second. Let's nice stop over there. Hold on. You just, you just made an assumption. You just said that because you have a great sister-in-law and everything's nice, but she's not that neat and not that clean, you feel your brother is suffering in silence, and it's hard for you to watch that. Why? Uh, he maybe. told me that once. He maybe didn't say it like straight out. I'm suffering from it, but he did. He did, actually he told me in those words once. He said, he said, almost like as in an overprotective way. Like I'm still single, so he said like something like you don't want to be stuck with you don't want to be stuck with it to suffer the way I am or something like that. But not not in a bad way. He was just like I don't think he's not cast the show in any. Um, extreme way, but I just want to, without insulting him or my sister-in-law, to um, just help them. In other words, like I could come to their house That's and help them and clean up or whatever. Think, I have to think that this is completely your issue. If you would like to really know, I completely disagree with you. I believe it's your issue. Let me ask, so, you, do you find it that you're worried for others and you always feel about others' pains? If so, I do often feel for others' pain, but... I also oh, wait, feel like... I'd like, I'd like, I'd like you, don't tell me the buts. <laughs> Let me go gentler, a little easier. <laughs> Let's just answer a couple of my questions, and then we'll recognize okay. if it's your issue or your brother's issue. Okay. Or your sister-in-law's issue. How many times do you have a friend that has a difficulty and it's bothering you? Um, nine out of ten times. <laughs> That's right. How many times... How many times do you find it that you're thinking about others even after they're not thinking about the problem? Um, probably, I'd say the answer is the same, nine out of ten times. Exactly. So what I'd like you to recognize is your question is not about how do I deal with a case or what do I do that my brother or my sister-in-law isn't needing I'm feeling for my brother. Well, we start the therapies the other way. Can you please teach me how to live my own life? Can you please teach me how I can feel calm and relaxed within myself when others go through difficulty? Can, I, can you please teach me how to realize that just because I think that the worst situation is going on or I hear one negative comment from my brother, I already assume it's the worst all over. Can you please teach me how to balance? That's what your question should be. Mm-hmm. What do you think will so change do in your that? life if you will learn that? So how do I balance that? Ah, ah well, hold on. You, you notice what you just did. You just changed. You just changed the entire question without even asking the question. I asked the question. Now we need you to start answering the question. So I could answer, but when I said still, their problems still exist. In other words, like. It's, no, 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 that's not true. no, 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 that's the point. No, 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 here's where I disagree. The problems didn't stay the problem. I don't even think they have a problem yet. The issue is that you see it as a problem. 
the issue well, is, is it not a problem if like if someone doesn't always necessarily let's say brush their teeth at night and the house is always flying, and they're in their no, kitchen. No, that's is wonderful. That can be a wonderful yeah. marriage. Yes, imagine your family is so uptight, and everyone is everything has to be done, and all of a sudden your brother is now married to a wife that's chilled. So yes, sometimes a little bit bothers. That's not as much, but he loves it. He can be thrilled. But he doesn't because every time I come to his house, he asks me to clean it for him. He. He appreciates the cleanliness. He, I, it, it, so here's what, here's where we're going to go. We're not. All I would tell you is that from our conversation, I would have a completely different opinion. I would say that the issue is about you, that when you feel for too many people, and when you feel it, you're perceiving their pain, and you're living in their pain that they're probably not even feeling. And that's exactly what I would feel for you. I'd like you to know. He, told, he told me that straight out. Like, he told me he doesn't like it. I know like that, it. but okay. my point is that your perception means people say a lot of things, but what's the energy? What's their tone? There's a, a study I share several times with famous Dr. Marabian. It's even a controversial study because some people say it's not as accurate, but it was done, in the, I'm pretty sure, in the 1960s, and it's called the 55-38-7 rule. And that means that if someone speaks, only 7% of what we really listen to are the words that they use. 38% is the tone that they use. And 55% is body language. means if someone says, oh, I really care about you, but their tone is, I really care about you, you, you wouldn't believe it. Or if someone's body language is like tight, like they're like making these angry movements, you wouldn't believe it. So again, let's be clear that words, tone, and body language mean a lot. So words is only 7%, 93% is your tone and body language. You, because of your perception where you feel for everyone and you feel everyone's pain and you're already so programmed and practiced in it, you're automatically going to see the victimization in every person instead of noticing all the other stuff that's going on. So what I would tell you is I'm not even going to address your question because in my opinion, your brother is thrilled in the marriage. And there's always the balance that we all need. And if someone complains, which is I don't think he's classic. not happy married. I think he's happily married. I just think that, like, I want to be able to, without insulting them, like, in a way, like, no, teach no, her how to it. You missed it. it. You missed it. You missed it again. You missed it again. You missed it again. They are happy in their, stu- their stuff. You need to learn how to be happy when others aren't happy. Do you realize that that could be their marriage and they might need 10, 15 years to work it out? The problem is that you're stuck in it. You don't have peace. You're not at peace when others have difficulties. And that's part yeah, every of time I, should, I go to our house, I should just shut up and pretend that it's fine. Like, <laughs> not, no, why pretend? No, it's fine. It's great. It's fantastic. That's a beautiful marriage. Yes, it is. Your brother's going to learn to let go and chill out, and your sister-in-law is going to learn how to be more neat. Yes, that's a beautiful marriage. Not pretend. Know that it's great. Let's take it back to you. Every one of my clients know I do this. When you start having, as I asked you, how many times when you see someone out there having a problem and you take it personal, it's your worry, you said nine out of ten times. When I asked you the next question, even though the person's problem, you can't help or you're not even around it or it even got better, but you're still carrying it. You said nine out of ten times you're still carrying it. Realize it's your issue. Take it to you. I'd like you to start realizing others are really happy. Harav Nissa, what do you say to this? I think that... Uh, yeah, I, 
I should start thinking about it. I, I think that you have to find, first of all, peace on yourself and love yourself and see that you love your brother that is happy and be happy, you know, and join the club over there. Don't be observer. You know, many times we are observer and just taking all the negative side, what we see, what we have the perspective of looking at other people. But be participate on their nice nest and with all the, the, the difficulty because they build their own life and believe me they will be happy for for you know forever as we see in the end the legend They'll just take take a back step and join the happiness join the mess join the dead need join all together and you you see that uh, she's a little bit messy you know what put together and i think this will be great but don't be judgment you know and be belamed schut on her be you know teaching yeah. upon yourself because basically when we love ourselves we love everybody yeah. and take yeah. take a, take a, take a good mirror and look yourself and said i'm love myself i don't yeah. want to see the negative khachamim uh, our sages said aposel bemumoposel somebody that is basically negative to other people it's something that is in 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 himself is negative try to see the positive mm -hmm. on other people and it will reflect on yourself yes okay can i go on to my oh, yeah. second question i'll tell you what hold on let's take some other calls I, and then i, I, I don't we'll get think back. that we can order because it will be uh disconnect our phone system is not so good and i love ah. you i love you uh <laughs> note on the on the text so we can ah. we can go okay we can we we'll try to hold if not could try to call again okay okay, okay. thank you thank you great Thanks. so we'll go to to mr all right Wall. let's go to um uh, right who did Yechezkel. we say we've got Yechezkel, yes Yechezkel, yes you're on with yes, yes, hi. you guys reminding me of stories the story goes that there was once a professor who was driving around the world he was trying to fix the world one of his trips, he took his little child with him. And in the way, the little child was crying. And the professor did not know what to do. Finally, he picks up a magazine, and he sees a picture of the globe. He takes the paper and rips it apart, and he says to his child, Do me a favor. I know that you want my attention. First, I want you to do a puzzle. He ripped that paper apart. First, do a puzzle. Fix the puzzle. The second you finish fixing the puzzle, I will pay you the most attention possible. <coughs> about five minutes, about five minutes passes by, and and the child cries again. The father was was very very surprised. How is it possible? You have never seen the globe. How could you possibly fix the puzzle of something you have never seen? So then the child says. To the father, on the other side of the paper, there is a man. The globe, maybe I have never seen. However, the man I have seen. If you would fix the man itself, if each individual would try to fix themselves instead of fixing others, then the world will be a much better place. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you for that. Okay. No, no, no. A few minutes ago, I heard that you quoted something from a doctor. I want to quote something from the famous doctor. 
I'll tell you the name of the doctor after I say whatever I want to say. The doctor Let me wants. ask you, do you have a question? Yeah. Do you have a question? Because you're giving questions over here, which I have to appreciate. There was one of the doctor who said, trust me and everything will be good. The name of the doctor is Ani Hashem Rafeko. Most problems that people have comes out of a lack of talking. If you don't have trust in Hashem, then you see problems in other people. You don't trust that everything that happens happens for a reason. Therefore, you seek problems in other people. All right, my friend, my friend, my friend, my friend, let's, let's stop over here. I appreciate the message, but I'm, I'm concerned that people are going to start getting blamed, that someone might have anxiety, someone might have depression, and you are now using a blanket thing because it's a mental health program and saying just believe in the Rebbein Shalom and your problems, and you won't have anxiety, and you won't have depression, and you won't have bipolar, and you won't have schizophrenic. No, I believe you're an expert in all those things, and you do know that most most people that they have I I don't know how old you what your age is but I do know is that back in the days there was no such thing as ADHD there was no such thing as all right my friend I am now going to ask you I'm actually asking that we should stop this program that we should remove just that part thank you and listen I understand you have your beliefs but there are many people listening to this your beliefs are wrong I would ask you to actually first speak to your Rav that has a Moon and Betachen, and when the Rav will educate you that there are called mental disorders, that you can have the greatest Moon and Betachen, you have Rabbanim that have a Moon and Betachen that go to sleep with the Masils Yishonim right next to them, and they're still taking anxiety medication, you will be more educated. I'm not going into this whole controversy, yes or no. All I'll tell you is I speak to all the Rabbanim across the board. There's no questions about it. Emunah and Betachen is important. Emunah and Betachen is our life. At the same time, disorders are disorders as if you have a broken leg. You're not going to tell the person with Emunah and Betachen, don't go to a doctor, it's going to get better. Unfortunately, you're not educated in the field, or you might have your opinions. Just try giving your little drushes to five, six people, and you'll probably find that they're going to get a thousand times worse than better. The people, when they come to therapists, it's after they've learned this farm, after we know that it's not a moon and betach and shiloh. It is a certain way of thinking, and other stuff that go along with it can be a chemical level, can be other stuff. Only then does that change. So I'm sorry, but that is the, we are, I don't want this type of rhetoric on my program. So I appreciate what, you're, what you mean to do. I understand what you mean to say, but this is not the place for that. Okay, we are going to go to Mrs. Uh, who do we have over here? Mrs. S. Mrs. S. You're on the air with Mordechai and her Avnis. Hi, is that me? Yes, that is you. And I'd just like to tell people if someone would like to call in and share a comment or a question, the number is 718 683 5858. 718 683 5858. Go ahead, Mrs. S. What's your question or comment? Hi. First, I just like to thank this program. It's an amazing program, and it's just that um, I've been growing, and it's just been amazing. Um, so, now for my question. So, I was actually um, I was just concerned about something. Um, 
my I was I was at a store with my son, my two-year-old son, and he. Uh, just be aware, just be aware, I don't want you to take it personal if people ask about, we don't deal with parenting questions under the age of eight, it's more skills-based. So you can ask your question, and I might just say, just take a parenting workshop. Okay, I just, I just want to know if I'm giving him, like, if, I'm, if, if it's me who's doing something wrong. All right, um, then let me ask you, have you, right, so let's not even take the question. In other words, it's, it's a parenting question, and the answers are very, very repetitious. It's just the most questions that you have, is he your oldest, your two-year-old? Yeah. Yeah, most of them are you just need some information, some instructions, and the reason why we don't take parenting questions are because you need to guide the person. It takes several sessions. Like That's why parenting workshops aren't just one-time information. It's about you give information, and they say, I tried it, but this didn't work, and then you follow up. So it's more information-based. It's not like just an awareness point. So my recommendation mm-hmm. would be take a parenting workshop. There are great ones out there. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Appreciate you okay, calling Okay, thank up. you so much. You're very welcome. And the number to call to ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we're going to go to Mrs. C. Mrs. C, you're on there with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello. Yes, Hello. Hi, how are you? Um, I'm asking about my son. He's six years old. I know you're going to say it might be a parenting question. I just wanted to know if it is or if something I have to do more about. Um, okay. So my question is. Um, my question is, it's very hard for him to fall asleep at night. He is very, 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 very afraid, and bedtime could be from one hour to two hours. And even with him, me sitting Let me ask you, side. let's go there. Is he your first child? Yes, but I do have other, like three other children underneath. Doesn't matter. That's the age. Second question, do you or your husband have any anxiety? Yes. Yes. Third question, have you ever taken a parenting workshop at all, how to deal with it? Yes, and I've had asked my parenting, te- uh, my, yeah. my parenting teacher, and she told me that I should get him some play therapy, but I wanted to know if there's a different opinion. Yes, there's definitely a different opinion. I just had a meeting this week with a top therapist in Lakewood, and it was a very impressive meeting, and the, the therapist happened to have asked me that, how do you deal with anxiety in children? They said they find kids going to therapy, and it's not working that well. And I said, of course, I find the same results that it doesn't work that well. What I find works amazing for kids is actually sending the parents for therapy, and that's the protocol in my office. Whenever we've got anyone under the age of 15, practically, the parents must be in therapy. And the parents are the master key. It means if you suffer from anxiety, it's almost guaranteed that one or several of your children will be having anxiety. In fact, the earlier you heal your anxiety, the earlier the younger kids will not, or I should say the younger kids won't even have it, and if they have it, it'll just be able to pass. Emotions are contagious. Feelings are contagious. You're around someone that's calm, people are calm around them. You have people that are tense, tense. People that are nervous, nervous. People that are happy are happy. And so therefore, I know what that, I always... What? And I know that, I know that, and I know that you stated it. But it's not me, and it's, I don't think it's an option. <laughs> well, then you can still go for therapy if you have a spouse that has anxiety. You can still go for therapy on yourself that will help your kid. It's not speaking. It's got to be an extra calmness now within you. So, so if you're I am my extremely spouse, calm. No, you're not. Impossible. 
You just Me, said you got a spouse that has anxiety, will not go for help, and you're calm. Who could be calm that way? Outside, you might opposite. be calm. I'm talking about the inside. I'm we're talking opposites. about when you see. Huh? I said we're opposites. He's anxious, and I'm the other side. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. It's so nice to say opposites, but you can't be calm when you see your spouse with an issue, and also you see your child with an issue. Yeah, it drives me nuts. Why don't you go for help? I'm a calm person. What What would it help me if I went for help? Ah, that's the hard part about explaining therapy. How could you explain about emotions? Like the person before said, "Oh, just a moon and betachen." It's a lot more complicated than that. All I will tell you is that when you have a spouse, anyone that's willing to go for help, the same way we started the program with that spouse, saying the healthy one that, that you know, the other one had the issue, but at the end the healthy one gets blamed, all I can explain to you is the concept that if you go for help, you will find changes in your children. Okay, so what if, so basically at this time, I feel like I have four children, and a husband, and I have to go to therapy to eat, cure each one of their needs, basically. <laughs> well, how about we look at it differently? You and your husband are driving a car. The front tires are the husband and the wife. One of the tires has a flat tire, and the whole entire car is being bumped and thrown around, so all the other tires behind them are being flipped around. And now you're going to learn how to balance the car and how to stabilize the car so the children should be calm and the kids, the, uh, the back tires shouldn't get affected. Yeah, now doesn't that make sense? So let me ask you another question. If your right foot is broken, do you think the entire body has to go to the doctor to heal the right foot? Or you'll just say, listen, right foot, you got a problem, you go deal with it. On my left foot and my right hand and my left hand are all okay. I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying that I might be, it's too much pressure. Oh, what's the pressure? What's the and pressure? I'm responsible right? for a whole family. Of ah, each one. and that's part of that's part of the therapy. Oh, hold on! I thought you just said you're the calmest person, the most relaxed person out there. You're the opposite of your spouse. You're so calm. Where do you feel pressure? If you're really calm, you wouldn't feel pressure. Real calm people say, "Okay, so I'll go for therapy and I'll go." No, I don't mind like going. I'm just. Okay. Oh, it sounds like you do. It sounds like you're feeling this pressure. Using the word pressure, real calm people don't just feel pressure when I just say, "Why don't you just go for a therapy, a couple of sessions." And you'll see how it'll help your kids. What kind of therapy should I go for? Now is the next question. So we're not doing this right now. All I will just like to create the awareness is that, yes, if a spouse has an issue, it will affect the kids. And if your spouse will not go to therapy, like most people that have issues, they usually don't go, although the shift is changing on a huge level. I'm getting messages. I wish that he would, but he won't. That's right. And the next step for those that listen is, that's the goal that people are hearing, is now the healthy ones are going for advice how to deal with it. And it doesn't have to be therapy. First start with a Rav or a Rebetzin that you're close to. First get outside help. Get some suggestions. Don't jump right away to right. the therapist. So have, and they're telling you nothing about me or my husband. They're telling me I should take my son. Okay. So follow the process. You know what? Start the process. Start play therapy. Go ahead, and then you'll see what happens after that. So there's no technique, basically, for me to give my son and how to reassure him or anything like that? Uh, now you even want to learn the skills that takes years after you get a two-year master's degree in college. Then you go to agencies. agencies. Then you start taking three, 400-hour workshops. You would like me to give you those skills while you yourself are stuck in the situation. 
So it's that complicated? Yes, it's that complicated. Therapy, unlike what most people think is therapy, is you just talk to someone and you just make them feel good. No, therapy is an art and it's a skill and it takes supervision and it takes knowledge, it takes technique, it takes experience. All those are what it takes. It's not just talking. Absolutely not. And yes, it's that complicated. In fact, it's a lot easier to go for therapy on yourself than to learn everything that you need to learn. And even when you learn how to do that, you're not allowed to work on your own family. So the therapists, when they go, they might give you exercises to do, but you can't do therapy on your own kids. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it to be that complicated. I thought it was of just okay. Of course <laughs> not. I know. That's how everyone gets educated, unfortunately. They start the hard process, and then they start seeing, then they try the shortcuts, which takes several years, and things get worse until they finally start the process. I just had someone that came to the office after going eight years to a non-licensed therapist and made things so much worse. Now they start the process of a licensed therapist and go, wow, I can see what's happening. Now, again, I don't mean to knock the non-licensed therapist's place frosk on them, but what I'm talking about are the other stuff where they're saying over people bash therapy. So there's a place for everyone. There are a place for us, there are a place for the life coaches. There's a place for everyone, but they have to know their places. My issue is when people don't know their places and people bash everyone else. Uh-huh. So I will just tell you my real opinion is that you should be in therapy, not your kids. Okay, thank so you so much. You. Thank you for your program. You're very it. welcome. Thank you, and I'm sorry the answer is not the way you thought it will go. We are going to go to Ms. F. Ms. F., you're on the air with Mordecai and Harav Nissen. Harav Nissen, what do you say to that question? Just before we go to Ms. F., what do you say to that? About, about, about the lady before? Yes, her kids got yes. anxiety. No, the oldest yeah. is six. She's got four kids. Already <laughs> the first one's having anxiety. They can't fall asleep to an hour or two every night. And I'm sort of trying to explain that when one, the healthy person even goes for help, will be able to change and, and see big shifts going around there. Now they're going to start sending the oldest kid to therapy. Then you're going to send the second kid. Then they're still around the spouse, which still has stress. So it's, imagine the therapist gets 45 minutes of doing therapy, but they're around the father for 50 hours a week. I, what do we expect if there's anxiety being going around on the little kids? You know, what do you say about you, this? You, you, said, you said all all before, you know, and we saw you know, in, my, in my short... Uh, time on this program and the, the you know in the last uh, I would say four years so with doing dealing with this yeah. issue because for me it was, it was new and we saw big big mir- I, I would say miracles when the other side or that so-called the strongest side took therapists to deal with the weak side and yeah. it's amazing it's amazing to see the result and how to to act and behave uh, to the to build a new family, basically. And it's very important, very important. I know that um, we have a lot of books about it and stuff like this. You know, for example, Arab Barush, talking about yeah. uh, Ghana Shalom and and wisdom uh, and uh, woman wisdom. Two yeah. very, very important books that basically the men cannot read the ladies' book and the lady cannot read, but it gives us the instruction how to deal with the other side so-called the weak side, and we thinking ourselves that we are the strongest side, many times we find ourselves the opposite. We, we are the causing problem. So I think that it's, uh, you, gave the, you gave the right answer that, uh, that we have to go to, to therapists to learn how to deal with the 
the problem in our eyes, not send the other people. Thank you. And along those lines, I'd like to read one of the texts that you sent me over here that someone sent us. is literally what you're saying. Thank you for your amazing show. want to ask, many times people grow up in certain situations where they promise themselves, when I grow up, I will never do or act that way to my children. So let's give an example. Parents are either yelling, screaming, or they're never around. They're busy saving the whole world. They're on the phone when the kids are home, whatever it should be. Fast forward a couple of years, and the person finds themselves doing exactly what they promised themselves that they won't do. Now they're doing it. How does one prevent themselves? Arvindus, what would you say to that question? Right? So the question is, here a person tells themselves, when I'm a kid, oh, I'm going to give more time for my kids, or I'm going to do this and that. How do I prevent it? <laughs> and... Yeah. 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 I just, you know what, I, I'm I'm just so sorry that I'm just a little bit off, but uh, that uh, we, what the promises to the self, some self, you know, that's what right, the it was. A, yeah, it was a text that you just sent me that someone said that when they were young yes. children, they promised they'll never do those certain things to their children, what their parents did to them. And now that they're getting older, they're finding themselves doing exactly the same. This thing that they promised, they said they'll never do, they're doing exactly that. I would say that uh, this is very, you know, we know that most of the uh, research say that, uh, that we're doing basically copy-paste what our parents, many times. But we yeah. have to be strong and, and understand uh, the what, what is the issue and understand that we are doing something wrong. We, we, do, we don't want to see. You know, and the guy, that guy the, I don't know, the person that wrote this text, is, it seems like he's very aware of what he's doing, and it's really very yeah. nice to, to understand that. As I always say, they keep, keep, keep repeating, the mirror, the mirror, the mirror. Look our, our, upon ourselves, what we're doing. Try to check ourselves with a mirror, with a microscope, to see what... What we really, don't do that, you know, this is a chachamim telling us. What you ate, don't do that. And you, when when you are young and your parents did something that you ate, try not to do it to, to, uh, to your son or to your children. And I'm telling you, this is what I think that a therapist, a therapist can help to the people to, aware, to be aware about this issue. And that's yep. what you you you're telling all the people all the tip all the time about it. That's right. So I would like to say exactly what you said, and that is that first of all, awareness is the first step. Means if you're aware of certain programs that are going on in the in the family, and you don't want it to happen, first step is start discussing it with someone to help you out. Now, why? I, I like the muscle of something that's called muscle memory. That means let's say someone wants to play basketball. Let's say someone wants to play hockey. Let's say someone is learning how to walk. Someone is learning how to write. The first time we start writing that letter, even though we see it, it takes time till the hand gets it correctly. In fact, if someone takes, uh, let's say, the, a workshop or a training in penmanship, which today is non-existent, but in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, even 50s, it was part of a normal curriculum to teach you how to write nice letters, that it should look nice. What happens is after you practice the letter several times, or many times, you start having muscle memory. That means the muscle will learn how to do it without thinking. 
The same happens in our subconscious brain. When we see parents fight or people or parents neglect us or parents loving us or parents caring about us or parents are having balance between business and their family life, when we see that, whatever we see, it's called muscle memory. I call it that. And the subconscious now takes that into memory. So if we see a parent that works hard and tries to push themselves, it gets into that subconscious muscle memory that automatically, when you write that A, it will be a beautiful calligraphic A. It will look beautiful. The same is what we want to focus now on when, unfortunately, for the negative. That if people see negative, although the brain doesn't want it to happen, but that's what was etched in it. And therefore, that's the main focus, what we do in therapy, and it's all the musasvarm. It's about learning a new behavior. And yes, as we know from the svarm, they're very medactive that chitzenius does ma'ayra the panemius. The outside environment affects us. You're around good friends, we act good. We're around bad friends, unfortunately, it has an effect on us. It gets etched in that muscle memory, in that subconscious part of the brain. And therefore, that's part of the reason why even though logically we say we don't want to do that, it's almost as if we are looking at the letter and saying, I want to write a beautiful A, but the muscle memory doesn't have that. The muscle memory has a backwards written, choppy, shaky A. So therefore, that's where therapy comes in. That's where speaking to a Rav, speaking to an Askin, where you actually have someone guide you and teach you, this is how you say I love you. This is how I spend time with you. No, you don't take out the cell phone. And once you have that etch there, it can help out on a big level. All right, let's go to Ms. F. Ms. F, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hi. Um, I just had a question I wanted to know. Um, actually, my mother told me to call. I, I'm a middle of studying for midterms now. It's, I'm in ninth grade, and I'm working really hard. I just had a question um, regarding, like, if, like, um, so I, I will of, okay, um, I'm just very stressful now with bitters. Um, I, I study all day, all day. I, I really, I work very, very hard and of course, whatever. And I, I study a lot, a lot. And then, uh, I, whatever, I end up getting good marks, but it's just that I, I really work really, really hard. Like I don't, I I thought I was supposed to leave my room the entire day. I'm just busy studying and studying and like I see like my friends are passing my house and all laughing and having fun going out for pizza, like I don't know. I I'm so, not so sure. Let's, let's take your question. Hold on, you're giving me a lot of information. Let's go take it to a question. So your question is that you're a ninth grader, there's a lot of tests going on, it's midterms, and you're taking it very seriously that you don't even leave the room. That's how stressed you are. And even though you do well at your marks, but you're still tense and you're still nervous. Is that your and your question is why are you nervous or how do you stop it? What's your question? Right, yeah, that that's exactly what it is. Now what's your question? I need a question. So yeah, I I like I'm all stressed out. Like, I don't know. Like, okay, okay, I, stop, stop. So you're, hold on, hold on, hold on. So let's stay focused to your question. So your question is, how do you take it easier? How do you not get it that, how do you not take it so seriously? Is that your question? How do you be relaxed? Right, right. Your best? Good, hold on. Now, the issue with your question is that the answer isn't that simple. It's not about the just saying it which, again, a lot has to do with family. What type of an environment is there? Are your parents perfectionists? Are your parents very clean and neat? Do things have to do well? Do your parents allow themselves to make a mistake? 
A lot has to do with environment. You have older sisters that if they're studying, that they're that pressured. Right. So actually, my mother doesn't really like it that I'm so busy the entire day. I didn't she... ask that question. I asked you, are there those in your family that are perfectionists, that things have to go well, things have to go exactly? They spend a long time to do it exactly right. No, no, not necessarily. Are there those in the family? Um, not, not really, no. I'm not sure when you say not really. To my clients, when they tell me not really, that usually means yes. Because otherwise, they just say no. So what's the not really business? I mean, I don't, I don't really have any um, older sisters to... To be like, like, like my younger siblings, uh, I have, let's say, a 11-year-old brother and a 5-year-old sister. It doesn't really make any difference to me. Okay. So then, okay, so let's, let's, let's go to some of the solutions. All right, let's focus on some of the solutions. First solution is, what would you feel and what would you know if it doesn't matter if you can aim to get 85, not hundreds? Your mark is 85. How would you study them for the test? Um, I mean, I probably study way less. I. That's right. Hold on. Wait. It's not about studying. We're not talking about studying. The focus isn't studying. The focus is how relaxed will you be. I would not appreciate that at all. Oh, why not? Why won't you appreciate getting an 85? Means you know the information, and you're also enjoying family. You're enjoying friends. You can smile. You can be outside. Um, snowing now, where it was snowing, and it might snow, Merit Hashem. Why would you feel, if instead of being so worried about the midterms, you know you're going to get an 85, and you could enjoy trying to make that first little snowman with the snow? How would you feel then? I would actually be very tense right there. Like, I would be thinking, like, I am supposed to be studying now, and what am I doing out here in the why? snow? Notice those words. You're supposed to be studying. Why? Why? Because it's, it's just midterms. This is a time, it's... it's. For what? what? What is the definition of midterms? What is the point? What are you going to gain from the midterms? What is the purpose of midterms? It shows how well you know you work. That's right. And what does an 85 mean to you? Uh, 85? It's not so... Um, I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. So that is the issue. One of, you see, what I, want to, what I want to illustrate is there are several issues that we actually do in therapy in session that take several sessions. Number one is you have the perfectionist attitude. means the perfectionist attitude means if I get a 100, I'm good, I'm worth something. If I get a 98, I'm a failure. Perfectionist means if it's not perfect, I'm a failure. And those are one of the big stresses in life because we'll, I guarantee you, you'll never get it 100%. means even if you get the 100, someone will do it quicker than you. Even if you get 100, someone else's penmanship will be better. Even if you get 100, but other friends went out and they were laughing and smiling, and you don't. You're busy studying the whole time to get it right. So even if you get it right from a perfectionist, you're, you know, unfortunately aren't happy. So now part of the therapy sessions are we start, at, we start reevaluating your priorities. Why do you have to get 100? Is the 100 that important? We then bring in your family members. Will your parents tell you they don't have to get 100? 
and we hope that your parents aren't perfectionists, because otherwise you go, but mommy, you can't go to sleep if the house isn't clean. Or Tati, I saw you learning so much harder or pressuring this and this kid when they didn't do well at, at a fahar and you're so upset at them. But let's assume the parents aren't perfectionists, then we can work with you how to create the peace. That's what's going on. Right. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say my parents are real perfectionists. They don't really like right. it that I study so much. Yeah, but what do your parents tell you? For example, if my kid would study too hard and stop being that focused and get a hundred, I would actually be very disappointed at them. I would be very, very disappointed. If my kids would be locking themselves in the room, I could guarantee you I'd be schlepping them out of that room. I'd be telling the teacher, no matter what, make sure they don't get higher than a 90. Sure, mm-hmm. I even have my daughter in the room smiling from ear to ear. But yeah, no, can you imagine? You know, have you ever heard the saying, we probably haven't, but it's a good saying that I use many times. Surgery was success, but the patient died. No, which mm-hmm. means the surgery was a success. You'll get 100, but the patient died. You missed right. life. You're a teenager. You're starting to be a teenager. You're learning responsibility. You're going to be learning how to do well in life and to do well. It means 85. Do you know what that means? That if you've gotten an 85 on marks, it means you know 85%. Wow. Most people in businesses, if you look at other sports, in, in baseball, they're getting a 3.8, and it's like the best hitter out there. That means that they're missing about 65% of the shots, 70% of the shots. Could you imagine you get a 38 on the test, and you're called one of the best baseball players in the world? That's a lot that we do in therapy for perfectionists. We start changing the concepts, and that's why you have many teachers. Discuss it with your teachers. I'm sure if you tell the teacher, do you know I spent about 40 hours studying, the teacher will say, Rabbi Nishlelem, I'm purposely, I'm going I'm to teach you, and one of the ways you break it sometimes, like I'm not saying you have it, but let's say for those that have, I don't even want to say the diagnosis, but we use, let's say, exposure therapy, where we force you to leave three questions open. See, the most you can get is an 85, and you start learning how to enjoy life. And the reason why I'm spending so much time on your questions is because there are so many teenagers that are going around like you that you're studying and you're missing the whole point. The point is to do the best that you can in the balance of life. means imagine, can I know you get married, you're going to have children. Now, either you're going to clean the house or you take care of the kids or you spend time with your husband or you spend time with some other, with friends, but you can't do all four perfect. You know what's going to happen? You're going to drop it. You're going to lose the other three. What you're going to learn in life is how to start juggling and balancing. It's okay to get an 85, but I also left. I also went with my family somewhere. I also had a good time with friends. And, yes, you're allowed to cram the night before, but it was balanced. I still had a good time earlier. And this is generally what we do in therapy, especially for teenagers, because it doesn't just happen in one session. You need to follow up, and sometimes you need the parents to get involved to really tell the parents, no, do not let your kids study that much. Speak to the teacher. Maybe the teacher's got to give easier, easier tests. I once had a boy where he was listening. The Rebbe was giving shirim, and Vartyrus about how you do Averis and how bad it is to the Rabbinish Loyalam and all that. And the kid was starting to get anxiety, a very young kid. The parents informed the Rebbe, and the Rebbe started giving other shirim saying about how the Rebbe cares about our heart, that we got to do our best, and we should try doing better. Parents have a large effect on kids and can also help the teacher. And therefore, I think you can just use a little guidance. I'd recommend that your parents call up the teacher and discuss it with them, even the principal. 
Maybe there are other girls in your class that are going through the same torture. And I'm using a torture because there's no gain. What's the point of having information? What's the point of having a successful surgery if the patient died? Uh-huh. Uh, but you... But you can't be, like, to the other extreme, let's say, like, I know. No, it is. That's all these are classical sessions. All I was talking about is teaching you how to get an 85 and a 90, and you're worried about getting a 30. No, no. I, I, I know I'm not going to ever reach such a, I mean, hopefully not. That's but, right. That's well, right. So that's where the suggestion comes in. And I really want to thank you for calling. It's a great concept. It's well, really thanks. good. Now, Mertesham, I hope you and your parents that they'll listen to this that they will be able to help you go to the next level and actually start enjoying life and enjoying the studying and enjoying the learning. Remember, if it's for Hebrew studies, it's kihem chayenu v'ayachimenu, tairo, whatever you're doing, whatever test it should be, is meant to be enjoyable, that you want to live it, you want to do it. If it's a stress, then we're not doing Yiddishkeit, and we're missing a major component to it. Mordechai. Yes. We, we discussed so many times about this issue, on perfectionism and like this. I think that also one thing that we have to put to talk about the awareness of the teacher in the class, the teacher in the class, that if yeah. they demand, become demanding about the hundred and pushing the kids, and uh, something that the teacher themselves has to, to work about it and tell the kids is nothing wrong to get 85 and 65, and then if it's, you know, you have to get, your, you have to improve yourself, but it's not the aim, not the target to reach the, 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 the perfectionism. This is something that yeah. the, the teacher has to do. That's right. So let's create the awareness now for teachers out there. If you get a girl that gets hundreds on the tests or 98, please, if she's got three tests, ask her, how much time did you spend on it? Did you really, are you enjoying yourself? Let's stop focusing on the hundred and focusing on the information and long-term information and on the kids, teenagers' happiness. This is the only time we've got the chance to be the teenagers. And the way we learn life, the way we deal with life as a teenager is how we deal with life in the future. What's the point in having a successful operation but if the patient dies? How many marriages are getting broken? How many people are depressed in their 40s that I'm seeing, that they're already 20 years saying I'm already married, I thought finally it's going to loosen up, and it only gets harder with the more responsibilities. And we, the teachers, we, the parents, have the power to change that. Do you know how? By also focusing on emotional happiness. So let me ask you, has your teacher ever asked you or told girls, please don't study that much? The focus isn't the hundred. The focus is for you to know the information. We'll work with you. You need extra time, we'll give you. <coughs> have you heard that from your teachers? No, she's offline. Off, off oh, no. she's off the line. Okay. So we, have we got over three. here. Let's then quickly take one more or two more who we would you like from this one that we've okay. got over here? Okay. So we'll go to Mrs. L. Mrs. L. Mrs. L, you're on with Mordechai and Nisna. We've got about three, four minutes left. Hi, thanks program. so much for your um, show. They're really inspiring. You hear me? Thank you. Yes, loud yeah. and clear. Okay. Thank um, you so much. I have a six-year-old um, daughter that enjoy. I don't know why she does it, but she, she's always banging her head against the Okay, just be aware what we tell everyone. If it's a parenting under the age of eight, I'll usually tell you go to a parenting workshop, and that sounds like what I'll be telling you now. Is this your oldest child? No. No, How none of my kids. I head? mean, she bangs her head against the Is she your she second like, child? No, she's my fifth. Oh, okay, fine. Then, then we'll even take a little. What is your question? So she bangs her head? On the couch, the second she wakes up, before she, like, she falls asleep, she loves to fall asleep on the couch that way. She 
she's doing it like ever since she was in the high chair, she used to bang her head against the high chair, she used to do it in the carriage, and now she's already bigger and she's still doing it like on the couch and, you know, even if I tell her she has to go into her bed, she does it like against the, on the pillow, like for, for her to fall asleep. I'll tell you, I don't know without an evaluation, I have no idea. Your question is what from left field. From, like what this could mean. Zero idea. Zero idea without an evaluation. She is like a, a little, like a very crutchy crying yeah, I, oh, nature. I don't know if it has to be No, what to tell you is out of full evaluation. It's not uh, something that I hear often, and if she's the fifth child, none of your children do it, I don't know. Right. Without doing a real evaluation. It's not something uh, I, I hear often. Right, like what, what this could mean, this, this banging or it whatever. Could be it sounds a lot like of she does, she's doing it more for relaxation, like for, I don't know, like a... I you know, don't some kids take a finger or whatever, you know, like, but it's just an interesting uh, way of relaxing. All I don't I'll know. say is I don't know. It could right. be okay. that, could be other stuff, I don't know. Okay. Yes. Okay, Thank okay. You thanks for so much. In. Welcome. Let us go to Mrs. H then. Let's see if we can pick one. Mrs. H? Hello? All right, Mrs. Yes. yes, hello? Yeah, um, but we. Yes. Okay. Hello? Yes, hi. We've got two minutes to go. So let's see if we can get your question. Let's see if we can even get a quick answer. Okay. Um, I really have first a comment because I am a teacher, and I did discuss this with my, with my class because I heard it uh, many times. This is what you discussed before about the tests? Sure. About the 100. So I told them I made a discussion about it. I told them that I, I prefer 100 for the girls that are, like, really the smart ones and um, can get it easily but not for the ones that, um, that need to study too much for it. And it sounded like some of the girls, even they need to study too much, they, are, they like to get that hundred. It, they, now, they did you hear that girl? <laughs> did you hear that girl on the phone? Yes. Does she sound like she likes to get the hundred, or she sounds like she's desperate to get the hundred? Like is happiness. Life is, like is relaxation. Like is you enjoy studying. Does that girl sound like she likes studying? Well, that girl sounds like we're, we're, we're not heading to good places with this pressure. Right. So, but they need it not because the teacher makes the pressure or not. Maybe I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. And that's where teachers can get involved. That's where we have the power to stop I, I the peer to, pressure. I, maybe I, I, I made it um, better for other girls, but not for um, the most of it. They were like, we okay, want the And then those we girls, it's now your job. Not, not to place the pressure on you, but it's your job to go inform the parents. Your kids are taking schoolwork way too seriously. We're worried about developing anxiety. We're worried about other stuff. Listen, what do you let say? Me, let me just ask the question. Do you, how do you uh, define which girl is learning harder and difficult? Because they're not going to tell you. And second, you know, within a minute that you said, oh, for you it's 100, it's easy. And the other guy, you already categorized that girl, and the girl will be ambitious more to, more to work out and out. I don't see, I, again, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but this is not, in my opinion, it's not the approach to the, to the classroom. I'm sorry to tell you. So what is the right approach? I'll tell you what. Can you call in next week? I'd love to spend time. I'd love to give the teachers this information. The program's from 8 to 9. Call uh -huh, up, okay. next week. We will give you, I will give you a lot of time because this is a great information for us to share. Please call in. And we can give a lot of information. We, we, we'll give, we will give the time for this. Okay, I will you give you time. Much. Call in. Merit Hashem. Call in. We'll remember this. This is great. This changes. We've got thousands of people listening, many teachers listening, and this is something that can help generations and avoid so many hours of going to therapy and parents worried and kids and later on. 
I will give you the time, Mr. Shem. Okay? Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. You're okay. very welcome. Thank you for giving us extra time for going later. Thank you all. And Mertesham, really looking forward to next week's program. Hatzlacha and Siyata Deshmaya.